0: Right. good morning. Yes. It's my real pleasure to welcome PJ this morning. But before PJ gets into share, opening up and sharing the word with us, we just thought it'd be good to ask PJ some questions. Welcome. Thank you. I understand you've just flown in this morning. Where have you flown in from? Uh, yep,
1: yeah, landed at uh, Heathrow at 6.30 this morning. Um, I flew from Johannesburg in South Africa. It's actually a very easy flight. It's 11 hours, it's overnight. Only one hour time difference, so don't feel too sorry for me, please. (laughs) Um, I got some sleep, and um, yeah, I I live in Johannesburg, South Africa. We've lived there for 11 years, before then 20 years in Zimbabwe, before then 13 years in Winchester, just up the road. Before then, I didn't exist.
0: (laughs) about
1: your family Peter? Wife Ashley she's very sorry not to be here Um, she the plan was originally although I'd forgotten this that she would be here but it's my middle son's 16th birthday today so when we when we realized that uh, we we thought one of us had better stay so uh, she's coming she's flying across tonight Um, she'll get here tomorrow morning but she sends her love uh, sorry not to be here and I've got three boys Jack, Ben, Sam turning 18, 16 and 13 and actually none of them sent their love to you at all <laughs> <laughs> but they're teenagers right they don't even know what day of the week it is
0: We're feeling the love.
1: let alone what country their father's <laughs> in yeah. Um,
0: so what are you and Ashley doing in the UK? It's great to have you here mm. but what's your purpose for being
1: here this week? Great so, so this week the purpose is to preach at Older Road um, then we've got to fill in a few more days uh, till we go home next Sunday evening. Uh, so this, this week, is, it's, a, it's a pretty full week of um, Advance-related gatherings. Advance is one of the sort of sub-families in the wider New Frontiers family that, that we're part of, and um, we've got a gathering Tuesday to Thursday uh, for sort of hub teams from around the world who help Advance churches on the five different continents that we're working. And then uh, Friday is a day for elders and wives from the UK. And then Saturday is a day for for everybody. I I do hope you're able to make it. We've done it as close as possible to pool. It's just up the road in Southampton, and it's from 10 till 5. And there there are advances from all around the world. It'll it'll be a very stimulating day of equipping and prayer and news and, and so on. So if you haven't yet booked in for that, and uh, you're able to make it um, next Saturday, please, please do so. I think it's going to be a great day. Brilliant.
0: And then finally, you and Ashley, you're in a season of transition at the moment. Yeah. So what's next for the slides?
1: Yeah, so we've, um, we, as I said, we've been in, in uh, our church kind of history is, started a church in Harare in Zimbabwe and led that for seven years. It became churches. Um, then we moved to Johannesburg in South Africa, and we've been there for 11 years, and again, we started a church, and it's become churches. And um, for the last uh, couple of years, I've been leading Advance full-time. I don't want to be full-time with Advance forever, although I'm happy to keep leading it, but this was just a couple of years to help us get some shape, because we've grown quite rapidly. Um, but we've been open to the Lord, saying, what's next? Um, should we plant another church in South Africa? Um, Should we plant or lead a church in the UK? Um, Should we plant or lead a church in Australia? (laughs) No, of course not. Uh, Sorry, there's a standing joke clash between South Africans and Australians, but it it doesn't really affect you much here. Um, And then about a year ago, um, out of the blue, a a church in the greater Washington, D.C. area called Covenant Life. You may know the name C.J. Mahaney. He, he started that church and led it for 27 years, and then Josh Harris led it for the last 10 years, and um, they're now looking for a new lead pastor, and through a mutual friend, I didn't really know this church existed, a mutual friend, they got in touch and said, would you be interested uh, in that? And initially, we thought, no. Um, it wasn't on our radar. We, it was funny. We said, Lord, we're open to anything, and then something comes. No, we're not really open to <laughs> But um, as, as we had a bit of a conversation with them, there just was a few sparks of interest on both sides. And we spent um, the better part of last year um, exploring um, this possibility. And by the end of the year, both sides, as in the Smides and this church, got to the place of thinking that this is the Lord's will. So visa permitting, that's obviously in the Lord's hands and the visa process is happening. Uh, the U.S visa process is pretty rigorous especially if you're going for a religious worker visa because religious worker visa covers all religions and there's been some um, people of other religions getting into the states on the visa that I'm trying to get into the states on who were arrested and thrown out for terrorism not long after they got there so religious visas are under immense scrutiny um, and it's taking a while, but we hope it'll be through in time for us to relocate by the fall, the autumn wow. this year, wow. in September. So that's what we're trusting for.
0: Awesome. So that's something we can be praying for you guys Thank that you. It comes yeah. through quickly. Yeah,
1: Sounds so exciting. Thanks. Can I just add one other thing? Yeah. We'd really, really appreciate your prayers. Um, this church, Covenant Life, has had an incredible history. It's been, it's, It's 40th anniversary next year. But the last five years have been about the most bumpy you could ever imagine for a church. Like, if I gave you each a bit of paper and said, Write down some of the toughest things that could happen to a church, go. I don't know if you'd come up with the kind of tough things that have happened to this church. It's been, uh, the church has m- more than halved in size, it's gone, it's gone down to about a third of the size. Uh, it's, it's just been buffeted. Um, for, for so many different reasons. And we're really trusting for a, a great story of uh, redemption, you know. And um, God's given us a heart for this precious church and faith for it. And I'm so glad that Jesus didn't leave me in a rotten state, you know, but came and rescued me. So we're really trusting that there'll be a, a great redemptive story for this church. So your prayers are very, very uh, much appreciated. Thank you. Right, Should
0: um, we pray now then? Please. Awesome. So Lord Jesus, I thank you that You've brought PJ here safely this morning. And I thank you for this season of transition that the Smides are in. I ask that you would provide visas and uh, you would just prepare them in this yes, season that, um, to pay the part in the redemption story that you're working over there in mm. D.C. Mm. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you now. Yeah. We ask that you would anoint PJ mm. as he speaks, that you would give him words to unlock our hearts. Yes. ask this in your name. Be glorified, Jesus. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Vicky. Well, just to say, it's a great privilege to be here. Um, Matt and Grace and I go way back, um, as way back as people our age can go back, I think. Um, getting on for 20 years, the first time I met Matt was at a stonely event, um, a big summer gathering, and I stood him up, I think, twice. We were meant to have coffee together, and I stood him up twice, and, but he still met with me the third time, and I'm <laughs> very grateful for that. And I want to say congratulations to you on 502, just, just so you know, your extraordinary little blitz of fundraising that you did. Um, when was it? What are we now? We're, May, we're June now. It was a year ago, yeah. just going into the summer. It was just at the time when you don't try and raise any money at all. I um, remember Matt getting the word out to us and us all praying, and, and uh, Matt said, as elders, we're just saying, Father, if, if you want us to get this building, um, please, might, might, might our church be able to raise the money? That was the, the fleece and the deal breaker, and to get the news that you had, a few weeks later, that you would pledged and given was just absolutely amazing for a church your size and at that time of year, so congratulations, I'm looking forward to being there shortly, and um, I gather that there's a bit more money to be raised in terms of the building at the moment. I, I just may, may I encourage you with that. I, I know from experience the season you're in as a church, when you take a step forward with getting a building and taking on another staff member and so on, um, it's not dissimilar to doing that in business. There are some, some correlations. Um, but it's very exciting and <laughs> great. It's usually about 6 to 9 to 12 months later that you have to really dig deep and, and uh, to, to really in- capitalize on, on that initiative that you've taken. So God bless you with that, with uh, energy and a bit more money and whatever else is needed. Uh, well done and keep going. Okay, please could you turn in your Bibles to um, Matthew 15. And I'd like uh, to preach from this extraordinary encounter of a mum, a mom, a mummy. Mummy's good in England, right? Mummy, mummy, yeah, mummy. Matthew (coughs) fifteen verse twenty one. It's entitled A Mother's Faith. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Have mercy on me. And remember, I'm not saying it like she would have said it. This woman was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But Jesus did not answer her a word. And you believe it. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, This is what they begged him send her away. She's crying out after us. Jesus answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Um, just pause there. Remember, the focus of Jesus' ministry on earth was the Jews. Then he would commission his boys to take the gospel to the nations. But the order is Jews first, then the Gentiles. The dilemma here is, should Jesus make an exception or stick to the plan? But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, but even, woof, the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And he answered, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. So it's all happening. We've got a great cast. The desperate woman, Jesus playing hard to get, and the sidekick disciples acting like a bunch of buffoons. We've got a great script. This is world-class verbal jousting. And we've got a great climax. This feisty underdog mummy wins the day with the grace of the Lord Jesus on complete display. I want to look at, uh, I want to sneak in three warm up points before we get to our main points. Warm up point number one notes that hardship can be a blessing. Do you think she would have sought Jesus out if it hadn't been for her trauma? I don't think so. Demonic depression that her daughter had is not good, but it can be good if it leads you to seek Jesus. Health is good, but it's not as good as sickness if sickness leads you to Jesus. Some some kind of poo-poo finding Jesus in a hospital room or a prison cell or a divorce lawyer's office saying, it's just crutch Christianity, but not so fast texts. If God is really true, if God really is real, then surely that kind of low-grade background, empty ache that we have when things are going well will become an unignorable yearning when things are going bad and cause us to reach for God. It's If you read Scripture, it's nearly standard God tactics. He uses this tactic so often to get our attention by permitting some kind of temporary trauma to come into our lives. He does that so often. The former governor of the Bank of England, Lord Mervyn King, I listened to him being interviewed recently. He's written a book called The End of Alchemy. And uh, the final chapter is entitled The Audacity of Pessimism. The Audacity of Pessimism. And in that Chapter Apparently, he argues that the governments of the world will only really come together to sort out the world economy when things get so bad. It's pessimism that will make them audacious enough to link arms. We've got a bit of that deal going on here with this mum. She was at a really low ebb, and it was that... That got her seeking Jesus. And God does that, and He does it kindly. I know it doesn't seem kind. But when you're playing for the stakes of an eternity with or without Jesus, anything's kind to get your attention now. Even even and and, and I've I've been on the receiving end of, of this, personally losing loved ones, there can be such trauma in life, losing loved ones, terminal disease, and so on. It can be huge. But if that trauma alerts us, gets us out of our spiritual indifference, then it's a blessing. I know it doesn't feel like a blessing now. It will feel like a blessing. There is nothing worse than living spiritually indifferent and then facing a Christless eternity. So God will kindly do that to those of us who don't yet acknowledge him. He'll knock us down so that we look up at him. And he does it also with those who are his, uh, to keep us vital. I mean, that you know, who knows all the purposes of God when it comes to suffering, but one of them surely is, is to keep us vital in our faith. And um, for me, when tough stuff happens, I've got a choice either to, you know, I mean, my emotions do take a knock, but I've got a fundamental choice and it's much better to choose. Um, God, I want to absorb this. I want to roll with you in this. I only have one life. Anything that will keep me spiritually vital, I'll take. I don't understand all the reasons. That's, that's not me too. It's you to understand those things, but I will not, by your grace, live spiritually indifferent. We, we, live, we live such sheltered lives. The UK, this is such a wonderful nation, but comparatively it's so sheltered. Um, I catch myself praying for, for my friends in different countries, particularly developed, secure countries like this. Lord, shake a bit. Kindly shake a bit. Uh, that's warm-up point number one. Hardship can be a blessing. What point number two? Note the reality of demonic oppression. This 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 mum had a little kid, a daughter, who was oppressed by the devil. Details not given. Maybe it was some kind of maybe it manifested as some kind of mental disorder. Maybe it was a sort of. um, Uh, sort of schizophrenic or self-destructive streak, we don't know. Maybe it was a more standard physical sickness. Not all physical sickness is from the devil, but the Bible teaches that sometimes sickness is from the devil. Details not given, but whatever, this was severe. It was severe enough to cause her mother much pain and push her mother to reach out to this son of David, this apparent king of the Jews. She was from a different region. She wasn't a Jew, I don't think she was quite sure who Jesus really was when she first approached them. I think that grew as the conversation uh, went on, but it was severe. What do we learn from this? We learn that we do not live in a demilitarized zone. Earth is not a demilitarized zone. Uh, there are spiritual forces at work. The devil is at work. And he's like a wrecking ball. He doesn't play fair. And sometimes he goes after kids. Can you believe it? He goes after kids. He picks on kids. Sometimes he picks on kids. Uh, About six weeks ago, uh, I was in Cape Town, and we're praying for friends of ours. Ryan and Claire, they've got a four-year-old son who, for the last nine months, has had night terrors. This little four-year-old, really spooky, creepy night terrors. And pray, help, love, nothing works. And I've got the word here. He had a haunted look about him. And, and they came and said, can we pray? And we, we were, the, the boy wasn't even present, but we prayed. In that moment, he was delivered. I checked in with them just before I came. So I wanted to check before I told you, there's been absolutely zero horrors. He's been, he's been back to being this bubbly little four-year-old boy. But this was, 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 I think, so similar to what we had with Ryan and Claire. But we do not live in a demilitarized zone. Warm-up point number three, note the horror of a non-missional, introspective church did you notice the disciples had their own little Jesus club going and they didn't want anyone else to join? I quote, when a crying woman with a sick kid comes, they say, send her away, she's crying out after us. Now, it's not clear whether they meant She's but she's a nuisance. To send her away or heal her quick and send her away because she's a nuisance. <laughs> Either way, it's terrible. How are you doing on that front? I mean, you're probably like me that you don't, you may not get as a, an extreme as this, <coughs> as extreme as this, but it's a bit of a little elbow in the ribs, is it not? This woman was at her lowest ebb, and this little microcosm little mini local church of the disciples thought, now we're tired, we've got stuff on the go. I just, ah, oh, I just, no. Ah, ah. Okay, let's get to the main points. What's the main business of this story? I think Jesus tells us, verse 28, Jesus answered her, O oh, woman, great is your faith. That's the climax of it. Jesus saying, woman, great is your faith. This word great is from the root word mega. So, so he's, he's saying to this mummy, how mega is your faith? And I think it's a, it's a master class in faith, in great faith. Class is now in session. Master class in faith. Here we go. Point number one, great faith, mega faith perseveres. This mummy, this woman is something else. I'm going to seek her out in heaven and, Give her a high five. She asks Jesus for help. She's met with silence. Can you relate to that? Jesus. So she asks for help, met with silence. Then she probably overhears Jesus, the disciples, saying something mean, and Jesus saying to the disciples, yeah, I was sent for the Jews at this stage. Then she asks again, this time kneeling, she gets rebuffed and called a dog. What does she do? Rather than getting offended, she says, okay, if I'm a dog, that makes you a master, and masters give crumbs to their dogs, and a crumb from you will be just fine. Thank you very much. This girl is outstanding. If she's a dog... Then I'm thinking she's a bulldog, right? So they can lock, lock on. They've got the ability to breathe without let, letting go. Great British bulldog. You know all about that. But let's back up a bit. Why did Jesus keep quiet? So she, she asks him a question. Why? Has he had a bad day? Disinterested? Rude? No. Keeping quiet was a common rabbinic, rabbi, was a common rabbinic technique to help the students develop their convictions on something and to keep drawing them out. Now, I know that to be true. My elder son, Jack, he's 17. He's talking to me a lot at the moment about what career he wants to do. I'm keeping quiet a lot talk. I just know that if I speak too soon it will short circuit him formulating his own convictions about what he wants to do. I don't even want to let him know what I think daddy wants him to do. So it's keep quiet. And the cool thing is he, he keeps coming back to talk more because the conversation isn't finished. I understand that. Develop convictions. Draw him in. I think that's what Jesus is up to here he is he's not sending he's not sending her away completely the opposite he's reeling her in he's allowing her to develop convictions about who he really is is he just some miracle guy is he really the messiah who is he and it all ended very well because she didn't bolt when he kept a bit quiet, she kept moving in. She persevered. God's delay is never prejudicial. It's always beneficial if you don't run away. God's delay is never prejudicial It's always beneficial as long as we don't give up. Delay develops us if we don't give up. It's part of God's blessing. He wasn't being mean. He was being kind. He was wooing her. He was reeling her in. If you take God's silence as a rejection rather than an invitation you'll lose out on so much. Perseverance produces good things. Let's do a quick Genesis to Revelation, high points of perseverance. Abraham wrestled with God over sparing Sodom. Praise the Lord, would you spare Sodom if God says, yep. Then he goes back, he says, would you spare Sodom if, yep. Would you spare Sodom if (laughs) yeah? It was that process of pressing into God in prayer that enabled Abraham to learn so much about God's mercy. Jacob wrestled with God all night for a blessing. Have you ever wrestled with God all night? He wrestled with God and he got blessed. We've got, to be re- we've got to be really watch out for our modern-day microwave society on this. He wrestled with God all night, and he got blessed. Sam is my youngest. Poor kid. We're not letting him grow up. He's now a 13-year-old. We're still treating him like the little cuddly one. And um, sometimes I'll you know, buy him a packet of sweets, and he'll be over there on the couch, and I'll be on this couch, and I'll go, Sam... <coughs> If you want him, you can come and get him. And he comes and it's, it's a wrestle. It's a three-minute wrestle. <laughs> What's going on? Well, he's after the sweets. I'm after him. Why do not you just give it to him? I want him. When God doesn't give us stuff quickly, it's because he wants you. Moses wrestled with God for his, for his presence. God said, no, you'll, you'll die. And Moses said, I want your presence. He said, okay, I'm going to hide you in the cleft and the rock. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Elijah wrestled with God. He prayed this prayer. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people might know you are God. How are you doing as a church praying for the, the Christ Church, Bournemouth Pool, metropolitan area? Are you praying prayers like this? Answer me, O Lord, answer us, O Lord, answer us, O Lord. That this people might know that you are God. Elijah and Elisha. That's amazing. Elijah says to Elisha three times, stay here. Three times he says no. It's not very British, is it? <laughs> three times he says no. No, I'm going to stay with you. Why? Well, I want, a double, I want double what you've got. Zacchaeus, he climbed a tree. Luke Luke 18, or was it Luke 19? See Jesus. Climbs a tree. When's the last time you climbed a tree? Climbed a tree, yeah? Perseverance. Great faith. She just kept going. Uh, point number two. Great faith locks on to Jesus' power. <coughs> What do you make of her request for mere crumbs? I mean, she brought up the crumbs bit. Do you think, show some self-respect, woman. Take a course in negotiating skills. Come on. You know, he offers you crumbs. You demand a three-course meal, and then you settle on a steak. We just say, okay, crumbs, crumbs. What's going on? I mean, crumbs... Aren't enough to feed anyone, are they? Are crumbs enough to feed a dog? Well, it all depends on it all depends on whose table those crumbs come from. It all, all depends what kind of loaf those crumbs come from. And there was something in this woman's heart, probably given to her by the Holy Spirit that she just immediately joined the dots and thought, if you are truly God, then one crumb from you is enough. That was, that was her great faith. One crumb. Crumbs. It reminds me of the centurion, <coughs> the Roman centurion, who said to Jesus, say the word and my servant will be healed. What a word, the word. Well, it depends who says the word. Minds me of the woman with the issue of blood. If I can only touch his cloak, cloak, it depends who's wearing the cloak. Faith is not a fuzzy feeling, it's not mental ascent, it's not the power, it's not creating a positive aura because of positive thinking. That's something else. But Christian faith is in the person, the God man Jesus Christ. He's now reigning in heaven. He's finished his stint on earth. He's in heaven. Faith, Christian faith, is in God, this Jesus through whom everything was made. There's nothing that has been made that wasn't made except through him. And faith is in him. And one crumb from him is enough. Great faith point, masterclass lesson number three. Final point. Great faith locks onto God's grace. This is my favorite one. Uh, What do you make of Jesus calling her a dog? Let's just get right to it. (coughs) The politically incorrect bit in this passage. What do you make of it? Jesus calls her a dog. I mean, the last time I checked the sinless, loving Messiah handbook... I'm sure there was a section in there about not calling anyone a dog, particularly a crying woman with a sick kid. Don't even hint. Don't even speak to her in such a way that it could look like you're calling her a dog. So what's going on? (coughs) Well, if you want to have some fun. Sorry, I've just got to blow my nose. Can we just... uh thanks. Okay, so if you want to have some fun, read read some commentaries about this passage. The commentators, uh, if you're not familiar with what commentaries are, they are comments on Bible passages that people have written, made in the form of books. So it's quite fun um, reading the commentators on this. I've read about what seven to ten of them have said, (coughs) they scramble to try and make it not seem as bad as it was. But they, <coughs> and they don't do a particularly good job. So, for example, uh, a few of them try to make out that he's actually calling her more like a puppy. <laughs> it's like, that's not much better, you know? It's like Sam, our youngest, he went through a stage of calling people idiots. <coughs> we said, Sam, you're not allowed to call anyone an idiot. You're not allowed to call your brothers Idiots. So what does he move to? Iddy! You idi. Thank you very much. Iddy isn't much better than idiot, right? Pup is not much better than, than dog. Um, but the word is kinaria, or like pup or lap dog. So it doesn't refer, another commentator says, it doesn't refer to a, a kind of skanky, manky, junkyard dog. It's more like a little pet in the home. Like, really, it still sounds like a dog to me. <laughs> so what was, what was going on with Jesus calling her a dog, even if it was a puppy in a bit more of a veiled way? Why was she okay? Why did she not respond? I think it was something to do... Be- with her knowing that in terms of her spiritual condition to be called a dog was a compliment in our unregenerate unforgiven natural state god through the bible calls us things way worse than dogs here are a few a few of my personal favorites sinful corpse This is to to those who haven't yet put their faith in the Lord Jesus. Darkened, ignorant, worthless, mouth full of venom. That's a way of calling you a snake. Throat, an open grave. It's like the ultimate spiritual death breath. Deserving of death. Now, if you're thinking, I don't deserve to be called those awful things, then respectfully you are off with the fairies when it comes to defining your own spiritual reality. Because Christianity isn't a nice-to-have, it's wholesale forgiveness. The Bible says we're not, you know, you hear it on radio stations, don't you? Well, what... People are fundamentally good. The Bible says people are fundamentally not good. People are fundamentally in desperate need of a savior and of forgiveness. (coughs) The gospel is that you are way worse. The gospel is the good news of how God interacts with man. The gospel is that you are way worse than you ever thought you were. Check out that list. But wonderfully that God is way kinder than you ever thought he was. And that's, that's when the lights go on with Christianity, when we realize our rotten, manky, skanky state, simultaneously with realizing the, the heights of God's grace. Spurgeon, the great <coughs> late London preacher, said this. Listen carefully, it's not up on the screen. Your ruin, your ruin is your argument for mercy your poverty is your plea for heavenly generosity your need is the motive for heavenly goodness now sinner learn this art do not paint thyself in bright colors but own thyself to be lost and ruined And then, adhering still to Christ, make thy very wants and needs and death and ruin to be an argument why the Lord of mercy should show his mighty power in thee. I want to urge you, if you're not yet a believer, like this woman, acquiesce to being called the spiritual dog. If you do, you get the crumbs, you get a seat at the table... And you get the master of the universe if you admit that you're a spiritual dog. But if you contest your pedigree, the crumbs of grace miss you. Accept that you are a dog. Gratefully receive the crumbs of forgiveness. And suddenly things become extraordinary. In the moment that the crumbs of... Gr- that the d- that the crumbs of grace brush your lips in that moment so powerful are these these crumbs from this table from this master in the moment that these crumbs of grace brush your lips in that moment the bible teaches you get changed from a dog into a child john 1 verse 12 yet to all who received him received what the crumbs of grace To those who believed in his name. What does it mean to believe in his name? Believe that he's this and you are that. He gave them the right to become children of God. You might say, "This this is too good to be true. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Yeah, that's right. Jesus paid. The message of the gospel is that there was... A son, the son. There was a child, the child of God, seated at the table of God, who came down to the kennel of earth and became the most manky, skanky, catchy dog. He became the child, became the dog. In the gutter, that us dogs in the gutter might become children at the table. It's what theologians call the great exchange. That the child became the dog. The child at the table became the dog in the gutter, that dogs in the gutter might become children at the table. He paid, he took it on. The last battle. Emeth said about Aslan, and this is the marvel of marvels that he calls me beloved. Me, who am but as a dog. So that Aslan is a type of Christ. Thomas Cranmer's prayer, the first book of Common Prayer, he said this: "We do not presume." Why don't we say it together? "We do not presume." To come to this thy table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs of thy table, but thou art the same Lord, whose property is always to have mercy. Amen. Amen. We're going to go to the Lord's table together. Great. Thanks, Peter. Let's let's stand
0: together and let's bring ourselves before God as we come and worship.
1: Let's stand. Let's let's pray.